Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face. If not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. Good morning. I did have a slide that said uh, the lost art of storytelling, but Doug deleted it in an act of passive aggression. (laughs) (laughs) So good morning. I'm here to talk about the life story groups today because we're forming them today for the duration of the fall and the winter. <coughs> we'll form them again for the spring and summer in about six months. So you can see on the tables around you at the end of my uh, time here to talk about what the life story groups mean at Common Thread, <coughs> we're actually going to do the process. So if you haven't already spent some time thinking, about your availability and during the course of my speaking you're inspired to want to do a life story group you'll as you can see from the little placards you'll have to have ready the sense of whether you can do it in the daytime or the evening and whether in what day of the week you can do that on and you'll actually meet up with each other (coughs) today so first i'll explain how they work in concrete terms and then i'll describe my experience of them and i'll finish up by telling you why i believe you should consider participation in one or two a year a threshold for belonging in our congregation so here's how they work you find a minimum of two other people who can meet weekly for as many weeks as there are people in your group that's the hard part During the usual what are you thinking period this morning, I'm going to actually divvy up the tables by daytime availability and evening availability and by weekdays and weekends. And then you're going to engage in a fairly chaotic process of exchanging contact information. You look someone in the eye and then you say out loud, I'm available on Thursday evenings after dinner. Confirm that they too are available on Thursday evenings after dinner. You give them your name and phone number if you're under 60 and your email if you're over 60. Then you go home and you begin the process of group texting or emailing in order to decide whether to begin this week or next week. And the reason I say that is because the more time that passes between the moment that you make the agreement to do this and the first meeting, people get cold feet, people get busy. Once you start, the thing rolls, but you do kind of just have to get it started. So again, you'll decide whether to begin this week or next week, and you'll decide where to meet. A cafe works, a restaurant works, or a home. What time to meet, and who will go first. Now comes the easy part. You'll sit down amongst a group of relative strangers with whom you do this increasingly countercultural thing called going to church, which involves parking and drinking coffee out of paper cups, but is truly about contemplating the most profound matters of existence and supporting one another in our daily practice of the skills and beliefs that will make our lives good and good, and you tell the story of your life. You will speak without interruption by comments or any but just quick questions over the course of about 90 minutes. 
and at the end, your listeners will simply thank you. Then, if at that point you wish to eat or drink something together and chat, you may. But really, the life story groups are only superficially social in nature. They belong in the communal quadrant of our circle because they're intended to foster community, which is sometimes simply social, but often also far more than that. Because the life story groups hold this significant space, there are even guidelines. <clears throat> Meditation, check-in, confidentiality, and judgment. <clears throat> Try to begin every life story group gathering with a five-minute silent meditation in order to remind ourselves that though this is a communal activity, it's not just a social activity. The spiritual journey benefits from spiritual friendship, and that's what we're here together to make. Nothing fancy. Just try to hold still for five minutes while keeping your eyes closed, and every time a thought arises, say to yourself, yes, yes, but not right now, <clears throat> and wait for another to come along. I took that directly out of the, 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 the words of the Buddha. <laughs> wherein you repeat the process. So literally at the beginning of the life story group, you create a kind of a space for everyone to calm down, to focus on being together, to realize they're together, and most importantly, remember, it's not a coffee clatch. There's the fun of that, certainly, but we're doing this as a church for spiritual reasons. So a meditation, even as simply as that, would really, I think, benefit. <clears throat> Afterwards, check in with the other members of your group regarding references to Enneagram types or self-awareness questions or any other CTC key concepts and terminology, just to make sure nobody gets nervous that they're doing it wrong. <clears throat> Finally, offer one another reassurance that you will never share even bits and pieces of other stories with people who are not in the group, even without names, even without identifying details, even with intimate partners, because that's how hurtful gossip can happen. <clears throat> in terms of the fear of being judged that every single person in your group is susceptible to, this is trickier, because what happens in your heart is more difficult to control and to manage, of course. <clears throat> so of course you will feel feelings of envy, admiration, pity, affinity, scorn, and one way to avoid the appearance of judgment, however, is to avoid asking questions or making comments. You just listen through to the end and then you thank the speaker for the story. But you're not on your own with any feelings or thoughts that might come up after listening. The skill of being a member of a community requires practice and support. Always know you can reach out to our minister or a member of the pastoral team if you need help. But also remember what Robin has taught us through the Enneagram. Judgment always reveals more about us than it does about them, and especially about where we draw the line between us and them, which brings me to my own experience of life story groups. <clears throat> so I wasn't able to sleep much the night before my first life story group. I mean, at all, really. I was awake about every hour. Nerves, butterflies. Um, <clears throat> it was miserable, uh, at the one at which I was going to be the speaker. I know this doesn't seem to be true because I'm up here wearing a headset and speaking in public, but I am an acute and ardent introvert. 
I don't know how else to explain my seeming extroversion except to tell you what my former life story group mates know. I've moved 17 times in my life, an army brat. I'm an Enneagram type five. I'm a PTSD survivor. I'm an adult education teacher. I've lived as an expat in a few different countries, and I want to be a minister one day when I grow up. <clears throat> I've developed a character and a performance over my lifetime. I call it doing vaudeville. That has served me well, always being the outsider. You walk in like you're fearless. You go right up to the people who seem to be at the center of the thing. You work hard to make them feel comfortable in their discomfort with strangers. You take responsibility for being accepted and for mastering, and thus concealing your fear that you won't. But I am also an introvert, so I sympathize with those of us for whom a life story group means some stress as well as camaraderie. Nonetheless, I've been in five life story groups in the two and a half years since I started attending Common Thread, and half the, that half year was when we were all in lockdown. <clears throat> so five groups in two years. And let me pause for a moment. How many people in, our, in the room today have been in a life story group? Oh, wow, that's great. Okay, good. <coughs> so five story groups in two, and a half, two years since I started attending Common Thread, which isn't really that much considering how much of an outsized impact they've had on the sense of belonging I now feel here. That's 14 people in grand total in those life story groups. 14 central life stories, not including those of the family, friends, and pets whose life stories intersected, influenced, and confounded those of the main characters. Like in all good stories, there were heroes and villains, plot twists, settings that were as important to the story as the main characters, and so many themes, <clears throat> good versus evil, coming of age, life and death, change versus tradition, power and corruption, individual versus society. I did a Google search. <laughs> it's been a while since I was an English major. You may think I'm kidding or exaggerating, but I do believe that every time I listen to a life story, I'm hearing or overhearing four narratives. The usually linear story that's told mostly in chronological order, bits of the private conversation the speaker has had with herself about the choices and decisions behind this self-revelation, the commentary on one's own story that people usually provide almost in spite of themselves, and damned if most life stories don't actually seem to fit one of the themes from literature that English majors, like myself, study. Juggling the first three narratives as a speaker gets especially strange towards the end when you instinctively try to bring your story through beginning and middle to end without the oddness of actually saying out loud, so here I am. <laughs> but maybe witnessing this juggling is even more strange for the listener because it catapults you and the speaker together from the public belonging of fellow congregants to the social belonging of people who've hung out outside church like at Nickel Point today through to the personal belonging of people who know the kinds of stuff about each other that friends know. And now there's only one direction left to go, towards deep belonging. <clears throat> and once you've experienced deep belonging with someone, it's hard not to accept them unconditionally. And we all know how quickly unconditional acceptance can slide down the slippery slope towards compassion. And if you're not real careful, 
love. It's hard not to love people. (laughs) It's hard not to love people when you see how they've put one foot in front of the other, making decisions between the choices they got given until it all added up to a life that had a kind of momentum of its own. It's hard not to love people when you hear how they were thinking and feeling about their lives all that time, having mixed feelings about those choices, having second thoughts about those decisions, just like us, just like me. You start to wonder if you wouldn't have made the exact same decisions if you'd been faced with those exact same choices. You start to wonder if maybe what the reverend guy guy keeps saying about oneness might not merely be a metaphor. And it's especially easy to love someone when part of what you feel compassion for is this thing I'm calling the theme of their life story. If you haven't guessed by now, the theme of my life story is outsider versus belonging. It's why I do things like show up for five life stories, even though it means I spend an inordinate amount of time in recharging alone in my house with the curtains drawn and the ringer turned off. The Enneagram seminar was a couple weeks ago, and I think it was Roger who was in a panel and actually said out loud something I've never heard another human being say, which is that when someone comes to the door, sometimes we fives, we literally drop to all fours and crawl under the windows so that we don't have to have a human interaction without planning. Because before we have interactions, we like to put on the vaudeville and, um, and get ready for it. So Roger, I remember, said that he's gotten to the point in his life where he doesn't do that anymore. Not quite there. (laughs) It's why I want to take the hard-earned skills I've acquired getting good at vaudeville in the service of my own suffering and instead use them as a minister or a pastor, definitely both a character and a performance, in the service of my love for others. It's why my desire to belong is always balanced by my desire to stand just far enough away that I can see the whole juggling act. It's also why I've been able to go to several of my life story group mates during these last two years, both to give help and to get help. They must know how hard it is for me to do either, having heard my story, but especially the second, getting help. So I was wondering if anybody would show up this morning, and Scott has, and Christy's not here, and Laura's not here. But there have been a couple of times in the last two years when, despite the fact that I had been told over and over again, one doesn't need to come to church only with one's hands full to give, but one can also expect to take, there was no way I was really going to do that until it got really bad this last year. Um, So at that point, I had to call on somebody to give me some help. And um, not by coincidence, the three people I called on were the three people who've seen me in Life Story Group. I guess what I figure is they know the truth so I can drop the vaudeville um, because I can't get help if I can't be real with someone. And I also can't ask for help for someone until I know for sure that they at some point in their lives have been in the position of having to ask for help. Is it just me who, has, who struggles with that kind of pride and, and kind of fear and kind of avoidance of, of vulnerability? Because I think it is. Yeah, probably it is. probably is. No. So so my life story group mates have been the people that I was able to turn to 
because only under those conditions would I ever ask someone for help. Doug, for example, knows that during this last nine months of going through difficult times when he would ask me at the beginning of a conversation, how is my soul, I would immediately launch into vaudeville. I think there were a couple times when I performed entire Broadway acts. <clears throat> it's just hard. It's just hard to be vulnerable. Has anybody else ever found that to be true? So, <laughs> Doug told me that when Common Thread put away the rows of chairs and brought in the tables, then started asking people to talk to each other in these small groups without the safeguard of the pulpit, that we probably lost some folks. And yes, you are definitely going to have to endure some awkwardness if you want to take part in a life story group. Duh. It's deeply weird to shape your own life experience into a linear narrative. It's deeply weird to talk for 90 minutes straight without the buffering of mutual conversation. It's deeply weird to share personal, if not intimate, details of your life with relative strangers, possibly revealing in the process aspects of your personality that you like to pretend aren't already obvious to everyone. <laughs> but it's not going to kill you. And if I may say so, we might just owe each other this. <clears throat> Just as judgment is a funhouse mirror, any compassion we can come to have for others by understanding why they are who they are is inextricably tied to the compassion we either feel or don't feel towards ourselves. Watching someone else juggle those three narratives, then realizing they're doing the same for us, we're forced to see our own lives in a broader context. I suspect that the more life story groups we take part in, the more practice we get at learning to view our own lives too, not only with more objectivity, but more compassion. I have actually found that though I deeply appreciate knowing the stories of the people I've done life story groups with, if for no other reason than it assures me that my life isn't particularly a standout in any sense, um, it's the act of hearing yourself tell your story that seems to give this distance so that at some point you actually start to begin to be willing to give yourself the same space and forgiveness that it's so much easier to give to other people. So, yeah, between the scheduling, the nerves, the awkwardness, life story groups are always going to be a big ask for some. But we're a church. So it goes without saying, I hope, that we want to see not only our own lives, but life itself in a wider, yes, but also deeper context. And we're doing this with the other people in our congregation in order to work the circle together. We're not doing this for entertainment or distraction or even knowledge. If we want to do that, we have Netflix. But we do this to strengthen the spiritual community that will sustain us on the spiritual journey. Storytelling is therefore an obligation and a commitment to the communal aspect of belonging as a church. So I hope you'll keep all of that in mind when we set up to do the life story groups. I hope you'll keep in mind the pacing of yourself to maybe have time to do one or two this year. Um, maybe to join up with people who you wouldn't normally have gotten a chance to speak with at church or to sit with at church. Um, and we will do that um, as soon as the service is over. And so if anyone has taken down the little stands at some point before we start divvying up, put them back up, turn them, make sure that um, they can be read. And um, I'll see you again then in about five minutes after 
Doug finishes up our service to do the Life Story Groups. So, tell Heather she did a fine job. So if you would, prepare your offerings. We all give online now. The button is at the top of our website. There are lots of options, lots of different ways to give. And if you're in the directory, you saw the financial report this week. We are behind budget. And people, this is a really bad time to be behind budget. Uh, last time we moved into a new space, this space, it cost us $60,000 to relocate. It's not going to cost us $60,000 this time because uh, we're going to take our sound equipment and our live stream equipment with us, but it's still going to cost. And so <clears throat> for us to occupy that new space, we need to be ahead of budget, not, not behind. So if you're here in Raleigh or if you're from far away, now is a good time to take an ownership stake in the community. And remember what we say on a re regular basis, it, there's always a good return when we invest in community. Because what the spiritual community does is take our resources, <clears throat> amplify them when we give our love and our time and our energy and our dollars, and then give them back to us in the form of a community in which we thrive and grow and are transformed. So again, everybody donates on the website now. It's about as easy as it can be if you go there. So please do that. In a minute, we're going to dismiss all of you on the live stream. You heard Heather is going to lead us through getting into groups uh, here um, in the room. But if you'd like to be in a group and you're online right now, then what you can do is you can go to our website, use the Contact Us button, and tell us all the times when you might be free. Uh, if you'd like to do that, we'll make sure we can connect you to any spot. Pardon? Oh, there is a form. Is it on the clipboard? Okay, so if you, it's on events. So go into events, you'll find a form. You don't even have to use the contact us button. Okay, uh, the rest of us, we're going to do this in the room unless you don't want to be in a life story group. And if you don't want to be in a life story group, no problem, no pressure. But please do kind of move that way in the room so that we can create some space, all right? Uh, also, the weather's great. Go outside, have a chat, talk for a long, long time. So that said, uh, what else do we do now? Oh, yeah, we dismiss. Uh, <laughs> Heather slowed this thing down, and I can't keep up. I mean, I go much, much faster than this. All right, so, uh, oh, yeah, let's, well, here's what we do. Go ahead, put your hand on your heart, if you would, as we prepare to dismiss the online folks. And let's remember as we go that every one of us, we are all carriers of the indwelling divine, which means there is within us love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'm doing a funeral this afternoon in which I highlight how those attributes manifested in this woman's life over a lifetime. But that's true for every one of us. All those things are in us. And if you would, extend your other hand to our city. So let's look for opportunities to share the traits that are already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You all are dismissed. We are not dismissed unless you want to be dismissed, in which case you can be dismissed. All right. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you